And now, from beyond our dimension, this is the Jeff Mara Podcast. Here's Jeff. My guest is Daniel Scranton, who has been channeling the 12th dimensional non-physical collective known as the Creators since the fall of 2010. Since then, a wide array of other guides and collectives have spoken through him. Some of those include Archangel Michael, Archangel Gabriel, Quan Yin, Yeshua, the Hathors, the Pleiadian High Council of Seven, and the Arcturian Council. Daniel, thank you for joining me today and welcome. Jeff, it's an honor to be here. I'm a huge fan of your show and I've probably watched hundreds of these, so it's really fun to be on one of them now. Well, thank you so much. Daniel, <laughs> you've had your own ET visitation in 2010 and I believe that was like an NDE. Can you tell us about it? You're absolutely right. And it one of the ways in which it was like an NDE is it's hard to describe, it's hard to do it justice. Um, but I was in bed sleeping and at this point in my life, I'm awake. I've, I've been awake for 10 years, uh, spiritually. So I knew a lot of things I thought, um, at that time, but, um, I was very deeply into my spirituality. It was basically my whole life. And, uh, I worked just to be able to afford to go on Abraham Hicks, uh, workshops and cruises and there was a guy um, who works for Abraham and he was their videographer at the time. And he, he was very into ETs and he would sometimes talk about ETs with Abraham too, at times in the hot seat. And I, um, I would always kind of think like, what, what difference does it make? What, what do ETs matter anyway? Like we're all source. We don't need their help. You're source energy beings. So I dismissed it entirely, the whole ET thing. I knew they existed. I believed in that. I, I knew they were out there somewhere. I just didn't think they were relevant to us. So in this moment in March of 2010, I'm dreaming, and it's a very short dream. It's a very, very short dream where I look at Peter. That was just, That's the guy's name. And I said to him, I understand now about the other beings. And that's all I said to him in the dream. And he didn't say anything in response. And we were in a deserty area like Arizona or some someplace like that. And then I woke up from that dream. And the next thing I thought to myself is, is there a chill in the air? What is that? And I start getting this energy coming through my body and it's coming from the crown of the head and working its way down my whole body to the soles of my feet. And it's like a scanning or something. It's this, but it's, it's completely full body ecstasy that that's, this is a part that, that gets hard to describe just how good it felt. It felt so good. I, I was barely on the bed. My back was arched completely. And I just kept saying, Oh my God, Oh my God, Oh my God, Oh my God. And the, the first thought I had, the first thing I said was more please more please more please because i i felt like it was something that was happening to me from something outside of me and i felt like it was a healing at first but then my mind goes to wonder what this has to do with that dream and then my mind goes to i wonder what this has to do with aliens because i so i made the connection between peter being in the dream other beings because i said to him i understand now about the other beings and 
aliens. So that was that was the word I used is aliens. So I'm going, I wonder what this has to do with aliens. And then I got a huge surge of energy when I thought the word. So then I said, aliens, 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 because I wanted more of it. I'm, I, I'm like a drug addict at this point who's just begging for more. I'd be like, one more time, just one more time. And so then I start talking to them. So my eyes are closed the whole time. This is all going on in my head, this conversation. I'm thinking, are you alien? And the answer was yes. And then, or do you really exist in like another dimension? Yeah, the answer is yes. You know, are you here to heal me? And then I got nothing. And then I th thought, well, are you here to play with me? And then I got yes. And so I was asking them all kinds of questions. I don't remember all the questions, unfortunately, and which was yes and which was no. Those were the key ones. But I, but I wanted to see them. And I thought maybe if I open my eyes, I'll see them standing in the room. So I had an eye mask on. I take it off. I open my eyes. I'm looking around. I don't see them. But the surges of energy like start all over again as intense as they were in the beginning coming through my body and i have no sense of time with when this is happening i have no idea how long this goes on for but eventually it, it did have to stop and when it did i i got up and i immediately told somebody uh that lived in europe that would be awake at that time and um so that was my that was my big ET encounter and I could keep talking right now, but I wonder if you have any questions about it. <laughs> Did you ever discover who that ET was? Yeah. You know, it's funny. Um, I, I did ask Bashar because at that point, once I, even when I started channeling, you know, it's hard to trust your own channeling. It's hard to be like, Oh, I can just channel anything for myself because you're so, the questions you would have about yourself, you feel like you're biased or you already have a, an opinion. So I had already started channeling um, at the time that I started really going to Bashar workshops. And the reason I started going to his workshops is because he's an ET. So I started getting really interested in people who channel ETs. And when I asked Bashar about the experience, he said they were the Zetas that were doing it to me. And um, the Zetas, um, or maybe it was the Yael, because the Zetas are the gray ETs that you always see. The when Whenever you see a cartoon alien, that's a Zeta. They're short, they're gray, they've got big eyes. But of course, there's, there's more than one group within that larger species or race called the grays. And the Zetas are one of them. But Bashar says they're they're these uh, mutated humans from another, from a parallel earth that are, that came to get our DNA and sperm and eggs so that they could create a hybrid race or several hybrid races of which Bashar's race is one. So they know a lot about this sort of thing, but that was his take on it. Now, Bashar will tell you, he, they don't know everything. Not, not every channeled being knows everything. Bashar is an ET. He lives on a spaceship over Sedona. He can read your energy field and tell you things that happened in your past. But who the, the, the bottom line is, to me, it doesn't really matter who it was because what the, the after effects of it are that um, I became more interested in feeling energy. 
So once you realize that that type of experience is possible for you, at least this was my, some people would be scared. And I, I talked to so many people, I've done, been doing private sessions with people since 2010, since I started channeling. And I've heard a lot of stories about ET encounters and different experiences people have, even experiences that like I had, where it's clear they're going to channel. It's clear that what's happening is they're about to channel, but some people get afraid of what's happening and they actually pull back from it. But for me, this was like, oh, I want to go full on and see what I can, what I can now consciously create in terms of that type of experience. As I mentioned in the beginning, you channel the Pleiadian Council, the Arcturian Council, but you also channel Archangels and Yeshua. Yeah. Is there any difference in channeling ETs versus angels or other beings? Yeah. Um, one of the differences is if you're channeling a physical extraterrestrial being, they have a body, we have bodies. So it's kind of like connecting like you and I are connecting right now, where I think that there's the distance involved that has to be traversed in some way. I mean, yes, they're telepathic. So we're, we're an anomaly in the sense that we have to talk to each other with our voices to communicate in this galaxy where most beings are telepathic. So there is that telepathy that goes on. There's that, and, and you'll hear NDE years talk about that too, how they don't really have to say what they want to say in their NDE experience. It's all happening. Like as soon as they even have the thought of the thought that it's being answered by somebody and it's coming right directly into their consciousness. So, uh, According to Bashar, there's a piece of technology on his ship that allows him to connect with Daryl. And I've connected with some, some physical ETs, um, not many, that where it feels different when you're channeling them. It feels more like you're, you're talking to another being. Whereas if you're channeling a non-physical, so pe when people think of archangels, they think, they look like us, right? They just have wings and the, it's a singular humanoid entity with a halo and wings and maybe a harp, but that's not really what an archangel is. I mean, that's our anthropomorphized version of an archangel, but they're really a non-physical consciousness that exists so close to source that they couldn't possibly be physical. I mean, when, when your vibration gets really, really high, you know, this, my hand is vibrating it gets really, really high and you go, you go higher and higher. It's like the molecules uh, moving faster that create, you know, the heat in that makes water into vapor. It, it becomes steam. It goes from an ice cube to water to steam because you're adding heat. You're making everything move faster. So as we move faster, we become less and less physical. So if you're way up in the 12th dimension, which is where the ascended masters hang out, you know, with and the archangels, and we still think of them as, as singular entities. We still think that like Jesus and Saint Germain and Kuan Yin and Buddha and all of them operate as these like human type beings, but they're really these non-physical collective consciousnesses. 
And so they're everywhere. They're non-local for sure, which means it's easy to tap in. Not easy. I mean, there's there's a certain amount of um, energy to be put forth when you're seeking to channel so that that's why not everybody's doing it because there's a certain amount i don't want to call it effort but it's it's usually intentional nowadays i'd say it's it's usually not something that just happens to a person where all of a sudden they start channeling so when i had my experience the my first thought was not oh i'm this will catapult me into channeling the thing i've always wanted to do because even though I was a huge fan of channeling, I did not think of myself as a person who was ever going to do it. Not once. And then all these things started happening in 2010. I do Reiki on people and I noticed my, my hands would move by themselves and I'd go, well, that's interesting. I'm not making my hand do that. <laughs> and then my head would go like this in the way, you know, making a infinity symbol which I later found out from somebody that gets your right and left hemispheres of your brain to come together to operate as one brain as opposed to having the two halves of the brain. And things like that were just happening. My lips would start moving and making whispering sounds during a, uh, a Reiki healing. And But it, that was the thing that made me think, well, maybe I'm going to channel. But every time I would sit to channel, I would just go like this. <laughs> because the energies would be present, but it was like I wasn't ready to speak for them. And so when I had the experience in March with the ETs and then I said, I want to go deeper with this, it was like I just add more time onto my my meditation, which was already a daily practice of like at least an hour. And the more time I'd be adding on would just be me sitting there going like, okay, let me see if I can drum up that energy again. And I got pretty good at doing that. Like I can make my whole body have goosebumps whenever I want to, but I never came close to the experience I had in the middle of the night where I was obviously being assisted by this entity or group of entities outside of me that, that knew that I needed something. This is my theory on it that I needed something to get me ready to be able to handle the amount of energy that I would be channeling on a regular basis in the not too distant future. So I believe that that's what was really happening to me was that it was an energetic upgrade because now I might channel five, six hours in a day, you know, and that's, a, that's holding a lot of energy in the body that, um, you know, you have to kind of, be ready for it. I'm constantly drinking water. I'm constantly hydrating myself. I drink coconut water uh, from the coconuts. I drink smoothies and, you know, I'm, I eat lots of fruit. I have to, um, to stay hydrated because there's a lot of energy moving through my body in a, um, on a regular basis. Do most people, including you, have an initial fear of channeling that they have to get through or get over with before they can channel? Well, what's interesting, that's a great question. Um, the me uh, being sort of in this world that, that was like where I wasn't on the internet all the time. Now you go on the internet, you'll see everything. Um, every Everything you could possibly imagine is on the internet. But I was reading books you know, when I woke up. So I was reading books and listening to books 
and going to Abraham workshops and Abraham's very positive. You know, they are all about the positivity and they, and I heard Esther's story of how she started channeling. And to me, there was nothing to be afraid of. I, I, I wasn't raised in <laughs> that sort of belief system where there's a, there's things to be afraid of. So I wasn't consciously afraid of anything, even though this does not look good. You know, this looks like, and I remember I showed this, I showed this woman on a dating site when I was single, a, a, a clip of me channeling and she freaked out. She was like, oh my God, don't let those entities in your lower chakras and everything. And I said, well, we're obviously not a match. Um, but I, I had no fear of it. And, and like I said before, I've encountered people who have, I've encountered people who've had fear of um, synchronicities, like they keep seeing 1111 and they get start getting freaked out. So yeah, we all have our fears, you know, I, I'm afraid of um, a lot of things. <laughs> but I, I grew up with a fear of fire and um, that my house is going to burn down. So there's there's all kinds of different fears that people have. But for me, luckily, this was not one of them. And I think that my background, not even coming across any information about something to be afraid of was part of the reason why I wasn't afraid. But I talked to Abraham in in uh, October of 2010. So this is like over seven months later where I'm now having experiences where when I'm really trying to access energy in my body, I'm dry heaving. So I'm going through the motions of throwing up without throwing up. It's like a convulsion almost. And so I'm asking Abraham, like, what's what's really going on with me? And um, and they said, well, you're going to do this thing that Esther does. And I and I thought, well, that's not the answer I expected at all from them. And then they said, but you've got some resistance. And I didn't know what I could have had resistance wise to it. But I believed what Abraham was saying. They said, you, you've got to work through your resistance to it, and then you'll be able to do it. So the next four weeks or so, I don't I again, I'm not clear on the time frame exactly, but I was practicing channeling. I had a, a girlfriend at the time who lived in London and I was in LA. And so we were Skyping all the time anyway. So we would just add this time in our Skyping session to where I would just sit there and let the energy come in and move me around for 45 minutes to an hour, but no words were coming. And I was like, what, what do I have to do to, <laughs> to get these beings to speak through me? And the, the truth is, I don't know what it was that, that shifted me to eventually being able to go so I starting to like make parts of words and then I eventually spoke and when I spoke for the first time it was the group I now call the creators at the time they didn't come in and introduce themselves because a lot of these these beings and collectives also they're not known entities on our world so we don't have names for them obviously Archangel Michael, Saint Germain, Archangel Gabriel, we know them, we know Yeshua, we know if somebody, if they're going to be, if that's who you're channeling, they're probably going to introduce themselves. But like Abraham didn't announce to Esther 
we are called Abraham because they're not. They're a non-physical collective who have no name in their dimension. There's no need for names. So it's the same for me too, where I'm channeling them and I'm channeling. Once I start channeling, I just keep doing it. I'm just like, okay, I'm. this is what I'm going to do now. And, but I kept like asking them, what's your name? What's your, and they told me to pick a name. Like I actually ch channeled that vocally. They said, pick a friggin, <laughs> pick a friggin. Like they're telling you, just pick a name. It took me like a year and a half after that, before I actually landed on the creators as their name. And um, yeah, that's basically how it all started. I had no fear, no trepidation about getting into this world at all. I was watching one of your videos where you were channeling and I'm not sure if you were actually also toning or it was just part of your preparation to channel, but it sounded like you were doing the same kind of toning or chanting that Tibetan monks do, but at a higher mm -hmm. octave. You know, it's really interesting because when I start channeling the creators, that one of the, that's what I would call the preamble or the prelude to the channeling now. But back then I'd, I'd sit and I, as soon as I, I want to channel, I'm channeling but I'm not always channeling in English. So, the, but they would say through me, sing and ring, ring and sing, sing and ring, ring and sing, sing and ringing, ring and singing. And I had no idea why. So finally I get the hint after months of doing this, go take voice lessons. So I've, I randomly, of course I've gone on um, Google and I'm looking it up and I find this woman, she's in Santa Monica. I love going to Santa Monica anyway. I was living in Long Beach at the time. And, and I meet her and not only, and I explain to her why I'm there, like, hey, I'm a channeler and this is what they told me to do. And she's used to coaching people who want to sing because they want to be singers. But it's, it turns out this woman, her boyfriend was channel was a channel. Her studio was called Singing for her, Think for Your Soul. And she now channels and she and I stay in touch and she does all kinds of interesting stuff. Her sister channeled too. So she was the perfect person to, to be learning how to use my voice from. So I was doing what I, what I wanted to do, which was learning songs by my favorite um, artists and, and singing them in her studio. But then after a year of doing that, I think it was, she says to me, um, well, let's do a vocal warm up this time with toning. Cause she had just found this, this toning, um, exercise for chakra for your seven main chakras. And so we would sit on the floor across from each other and belt out these tones, three tones for each chakra. It was, it was such an incredible feeling. And, and then at the same time, synchronistically, I was listening to some Pleiadians that are channeled by this woman named Wendy Kennedy, who would be a great guest for you. And um, her Pleiadians are talking about the power of tones and sounds and how they do this and that. And like your organs all make different sounds. And, and it's, it's like remarkable to me um, how this is not common knowledge, the, the power of sound in, after listening to this. And I would listen to this recording over and over again. And then they said something 
they at one point they said overtones will heal you on a multi-dimensional level and i said well that sounds pretty cool i think i want to be able to create overtones then so i go to kim my teacher and i say um can you teach me how to do overtones and she said i can't even do them myself so we watched a couple videos on youtube they weren't very helpful in, in learning how to do it but then before i know it the creators came through me and made this is what it sounds like hopefully zoom won't filter this out because sometimes if your guest doesn't have their musicians on thing for sound then it will it will filter out um some of those sounds but this is this is what the creators sound like when they come through me now <clears throat> yes yes is That's what an overtone is it's like there's a bass tone which is kind of like an oh and then there's all the fluctuations and basically they would manipulate my mouth and my my tongue and my cheeks and my throat to be able to make, make those sounds i didn't know how to do it until they did it through me and so that the toning is part of the transmission and it's the part of the transmission that some people who watch my YouTube videos probably skip right past because they want to get to the, the information, right? But there's something about it. I think it's I think it's meant to align us, open us up, open up portals, because that's another thing sound can do is open up portals. And there I you've probably run across this on watching other people's videos or something where they say there's these places on earth right now where if you were to go there and and you were to create the right sound you could open a doorway into a, a mountain or some you know some ancient structure that they don't know how it got there or something i mean it's really powerful stuff and um i i've been told by other people you know oh you should take that out of your videos it's it just you know people aren't interested but i know that there's something powerful about the toning so I keep it in and of course, some people love it and say like, oh, if I listen to you tone, then I start channeling. So that that's when I really realized that there, there's something powerful about it that I needed to do more with. So now I do sound healings um, where I tone and I'll play an instrument like a crystal bowl or something. I noticed also during your channeling that your arms will be in certain positions. Usually one arm is mm -hmm. above your head and the other one, <laughs> yep. your hand will be in a kind of a position. I'm not really sure, but it reminds me of what you will <laughs> see on Hindu statues. 
your fingers will be in certain placements. Is that something that's under your conscious control or is, or is that coming through with the channeling? It is very much them. So it's, when I just did the demonstration for you, you saw my arms go like this. That's not, I, again, that was the first thing that happened to me that was in any way weird or metaphysical was that these, these involuntary movements started happening. And so they still happen. And this is the mudra you're referring to, which it's almost like the eye of Horus too shape. And I didn't know what a mudra was until my friend who's a yoga instructor said, you know, you make this interesting uh, mudra when you're channeling. And this, this was from the very beginning I was making. Now what's happening is the thumb and, and pointer finger, they are pushing against each other too. And I don't know why that is, but it's, it has, I'm sure to do with the energy that's present. So the energy that's present, you know, maybe you've heard of the, there's like a, like a circular motion or cycle motion within the body to the extent where they say you should like press your tip of your tongue on the roof of your mouth when you're doing certain meditations or exercises to keep the, the energy and, and I don't know if that's what's happening here, like the energy is looping and going back in, and that's why there's that force. But then the other hand is flickering my fingers like fairy wings. And because I channel a fairy too, I, I just thought initially, and they're, the, the fingers are also, there's friction. So they're, they're touching each other as they do that. And that there's got to be a reason for all this, but that I don't know. But but it it is interesting that I can channel for hours with either one hand or the or the other up, and not be tired. I mean, it, it it's tiring to a certain extent because the arm changes will happen when one arm gets starts to get a little bit fatigued. But it's way more. What what basically is is the. Uh, the end result of all this is that there's more energy present in the body. And that's how a person can really tell that they're channeling. Because if you look, everybody who um, channels typically goes, I don't know what that is. I don't know where it came from. I don't know if it's my imagination. I don't know if I'm making it up. There's doubt. There's so much doubt within the, the early days of a channel that the one thing that I would always be able to point to, to myself, to convince myself that this was real, was that I'm not making myself do these things with my arms and hands and and I'm not changing my voice um, consciously. My voice goes very high if I'm channeling Ophelia the Fairy or Kuan Yin or believe it or not, Archangel Gabriel comes through me in a female voice too. Um, Mother Mary, Mary Magdalene, I've channeled them as well. Uh, so my voice goes super, super high. And then when I'm channeling everybody else, it tends to go deeper than my speaking voice. And I'm, I know I'm not doing that on purpose. Like I'm, I know, I know I'm not putting on a show. It might look like I'm putting on a show to some people, but I also believe that everybody who says they're channeling is having an experience. I don't think anybody's putting on an act and maybe that's just me being a trusting person or something, 
but I think that we're all doing the best we can as channelers to give you the purest uh, version of the information that we're getting, but we're all imperfect people too. You know, we're all, we're all vessels who also have beliefs in us and, and maybe blockages in us and things that we're working through so that as the more years you channel for, the better you get at it. Just like if you were playing the violin, it's the same story. You're not going to be as good in year one as you will be in year 20 of playing the violin. So I think we're all doing the best we can with it. Well, if you're up for it, can you channel some <laughs> for us? Yes. Yeah, so now you all understand why there's toning and why there's movement. Let me explain before I bring them through who the Arcturians are to me. So to me, um, first of all, people will think, well, I've seen pictures of Arcturians online and they're blue and they're tall and they're, they're bald. And what people need to realize is that a group like the Arcturians, they don't just exist in one dimension. I mean, you've, I'm sure you've had guests on who talk about simultaneous time and all the different dimensions. It's all happening now. Everything is happening now. So Arcturians would not, and Source would never limit itself to only existing as Arcturian in one dimension. So just because you may have had an experience with an Arcturian yourself, maybe because I know a lot of people are getting visited all the time by ETs because I talk to them. Um, but the the Arcturians that I channel are non-physical. It's a non-physical collective of a collective consciousness. They have had bodies in the past. We're all ascending. We're all going through these experiences of being physical and then being non-physical and then knowing ourselves as singular beings and knowing ourselves as collective consciousness. So that's just where they are right now. Now, um, the, the story behind how I came to channel Arcturians, like I said, I got into everything ET once I had my experience and I'd, I'd watch other people channel, go to their workshops, read stuff online. Um, and I became aware of a lot of people are channeling Pleiadians, of course, I'm sure you, you're aware of that. Um, not as many people are ch channeling Syrians, Lyrans, Andromedans, Arcturians. For some reason, of all the other choices, because I channeled Pleiadians first, I channeled that group of Pleiadians before I got to the Arcturians, but for some reason, I always felt drawn to channel the Arcturians. And then when I met my my wife, um, who's not my first wife, but the wife I, I have now, she and I met in 2016. And for some reason, that was the year I started channeling the Arcturians. There does seem to be a correlation between, for me, between love and channeling too. Like that time in 2010, I got divorced from my first wife. She, she moved out in June of 2010. The woman I met that helped me to start channeling came into my life in July of 20. She came like immediately after, and I, I fell madly in love with this woman. And then I start channeling and, you know, and I fell madly in love with my current wife too. And, and, um, we, you know, and, and this, that's when 
on the Arcturians. That's when I felt like, okay, now's the time to channel them. And I, and I don't really understand why I made that choice, but ever since 2016, I decided that I would channel the Arcturian council for the, you know, what I call the daily message. It's not as daily as it used to be. Now it's more like five days a week. And I do take vacations. I do take time off or I don't do these, uh, these videos every day, but, um, yeah, I started channeling them in 2016. They've been coming through me and giving these messages and what they give typically that I wasn't getting prior to them is more like updates, like what's going on with us as a society, as, as a human race, you know, what's going on in the ethers and how are we being helped by them and other uh, beings and the sun and the earth and all the ways that, so it was, it became more like, like new you know, that we're getting rather than just like, here's some advice for you to live by, which is what I was getting before. So that's why I stuck with the Arcturian Council. And I think that's enough of an introduction for them. So here they are. Do you want to ask them any questions? Yeah. <clears throat> okay, so they'll probably want to say something first. And then they'll throw it to you. Okay, <laughs> sounds good. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. mm -hmm. mm -hmm. mm -hmm. 
greetings. Well, dear Turian, Council. Well, pleased to do. opportunity to speak with those of you who are unfamiliar with us and with our energy. Please note that Daniel here is not the only one who is channeling right now. As we connect with you, we transmit an energy through him that some of you can detect, some of you pick up on the energies that are transmitted through a channeler, and all of you are receiving at this moment a transmission of energy that is to serve you in some way. You are not just receiving words, ideas, information, updates on what's going on throughout the cosmos, you are also channeling energy as you receive us. That is our contract with humanity at this time. We are here to help, we are here to serve, we are here to enlighten, and we are here to bridge the gap between human consciousness and extraterrestrial consciousness. We want you all to feel connected to the beings that are here to help. Beings in your dimension, beings in higher dimensional planes, non-physical collectives, we are all here to help. We are all interested in humanity, interested in taking you to that next level of consciousness, that shift, that ascension that you've heard about, that is real, that is happening. It's not just happening there on earth to humans. It is happening all across the universe, all across the multiverse. We're all shifting together because it is time for all of us to have new and interesting experiences. It is time for all of us to explore new aspects of this universe, new aspects of source that we can only experience through an up-leveling of our consciousness. So this is happening throughout the universe and it is happening because it is time, because we're all ready to have new experiences of ourselves and of each other. And now we are happy to take any questions at all from you, Jeff. Thank you for joining us. Are, yes. all, are all ETs good 
or are some good and some are bad? We live in a universe that has polarity. We have good and bad in this universe of ours. And we could ask you the same question of humans. Are humans good or are humans bad? And what you come to realize is that every being has good and bad within them. Every being is a yin-yang symbol that is seeking to integrate the light and the dark within themselves. Are there ETs who by and large have had a negative agenda in their history? Of course there are. But as we said earlier, we're all ascending, we're all evolving. Even if people have had negative experiences in the past with a particular ET group, they shouldn't then assume, just like you shouldn't do this on Earth with large groups of people, that all of those ETs are bad and that they're bad all the time and that there's no room for them to improve, for them to be on a spiritual journey. Just because a being is an ET doesn't mean they're any different from all of you down there in terms of having learned from your mistakes, having dropped bombs on each other throughout history there on earth, you learn as well. You learn it doesn't feel good to do this. It doesn't feel good to only go around plundering and taking all that you can from others and gathering up as much land as you can from the other surrounding countries. And there's something that you all have learned from by going down that path. And that has occurred throughout the history of our galaxy, because we are in the same galaxy as all of you. And then there's the larger universe. What you're seeing right now on Earth, you're seeing an awakening of consciousness. You're seeing more people waking up. You're seeing more people operating with a greater sense of compassion within yourselves. That's happening throughout the galaxy and the universe, even to ETs who have a negative reputation with humanity. Now, that being said, if you were to think about humankind, you would have to say most people are either neutral or good. Most, it's over 50% for sure they're on Earth, you would say, well, I would categorize most people as having no ill will, no ill intent towards others. And that goes for the ETs as well. There's many more good ETs out there than bad ETs, especially when you think in terms of the fact that most of us exist in higher dimensional planes. So you don't just get to a higher dimensional plane because you have a ticket or a passport, you evolve to be in a higher dimensional plane. So the beings that are capable of cloaking their ships, the beings that are capable of walking through a portal and visiting you, they have evolved to have that ability. That's not an ability that you're just given because you are born into a particular ET race. 
So the ones that are capable of interacting with humanity and interacting with humanity in a variety of ways, not just through ships landing, but through telepathic communication and through phasing into your vibrational reality, they are mostly good. We would say 98% good having good intent. And when you hear about a human being having a bad experience with an ET, of course, just like your news that you have there on earth, the the bad experiences get all of the attention. They tend to have a longer lifespan on the internet, those experiences that people have had that were negative. And some of the experiences people had that they experienced as negative were not intended by the ETs to be a negative experience. The ETs didn't intend to scare the person, didn't intend for the person to wake up during the upgrade that they were getting or during the extraction, the taking away of an implant that was happening. And because the person waking up in the middle of the night, seeing anyone in their bedroom would be completely freaked out and afraid. That was their experience, but it doesn't mean that there was ill intent involved, you see. If a human wanted to make contact and have a relationship with an ET, how would he or she do that? Well, that is happening, and there are many, many human beings who are interested in connecting with us or connecting with physical ETs. If you want to channel extraterrestrial consciousness, of course, that's available to every single one of you. Now, is every person ready for a physical ET contact experience? No, they're not. Even if they want it, even if they think they are, they're not necessarily ready to be standing in the presence of an extraterrestrial being who's going to be able to read their every thought, who's going to bring up some of the darkness within that person that then will rise to the surface within that person and be too much for that person to handle. So wanting it is a good step. And seeking UFO sightings, UAP sightings, that's a good step for you all. And channeling non-physical or even physical ETs is another good step for you all. You are going to be able to have that physical ET contact. You are going to be able to have ETs walking amongst you and know that they are walking amongst you and not be freaked out by it. But everyone really needs to be asking themselves, well, why do I want to have this experience? Do I think that the ETs are going to solve all of my problems or all of humanity's problems? Does it just seem like a neat, cool, interesting experience to have? Or do I have a longing for going home? Do I know that I originally came from the Pleiades or came from Sirius and I really want to return and I want to get off of this rock called Earth that I'm on. So if it's an escapism type of desire or just a desire to have so that you can prove to other people 
that you're right about the existence of ETs, that's good for a person to know when it comes to their desire to connect. If you have a desire to connect to ETs, a good place to start is to connect more with other humans, connect more with animals, connect more with mother nature, tell the universe that you're a person who's interested in connection. And what will happen is the connections that you have will expand to include more and will eventually include extraterrestrial beings. I'm not sure if you're aware of the term near death experience, but if you are, a significant number of people who have that experience also either see UFOs or have some type of ET contact. Why is that? Certain people come into a lifetime to be way showers, to be on the leading edge, light workers, healers, those who will advance the consciousness of the collective of which they are a part. People who have near-death experiences are people who sign up for that type of experience. They know that it serves them to have that experience and it will serve humanity to have that experience as well. They also know that they're going to awaken in that lifetime, that the near-death experience will either be a part of that awakening or that they will awaken first and then they will be better capable of interpreting what's happening during the near-death experience and they are then meant to share that with other people. Now a big part of this mass awakening that is happening there on earth is the knowing that you're not alone. The knowing that there's more to life than you're taught in schools, then you're taught in religions. There's more going on than the average person thinks is real or is even possible. So someone who has a near-death experience is the perfect candidate to also be a person to bridge the gap between human consciousness and extraterrestrial consciousness. They're sort of on that leading edge to begin with and extending out, extending yourselves out to the rest of the galaxy is a big step forward for humanity as a whole. And certainly those who are spreading the news of their near-death experiences are also helping to enlighten, they're helping to awaken people's consciousness to the truth that there's more to all of this than they had previously thought, or certainly that they were previously taught in any school or religion. Do you have a general message for humanity? Things are going to get better. If you really look for evidence, you will see that things are getting better on earth. If you look for the positive, you will find the positive. If you look for the negative, you will find the negative. If you focus on one or the other, notice how you feel. Let your feelings guide you. Tune in more to what you're feeling and be as interested in what you're feeling as you are interested in what someone out there is saying is true about life on earth or some aspect of reality be more interested eventually 
in how you feel than what anyone else is saying or believing is true. Meditate, connect with mother nature, connect with animals, connect with yourselves, connect with your community, be someone who wants to anchor in more high frequency energies for the collective. Be someone who takes time out in their day to do just that. Be someone who's part of the solution, who wants to see that change in the way you go about living your lives on earth, but who isn't just waiting for something like a solar flash or a financial collapse or full disclosure or any other event that could occur to bring it about. Be what you want to see. Be the change, as Gandhi said, that you want to see in the world. And you'll notice that you have the ability to make such an enormous impact, not only on your life, but on your community and on the world. And you are much more powerful beings than you give yourselves credit for and certainly than you are taught that you are in any school or religion. And so that's why this information has to come through in this way. This is the new school to bring about the new earth, to bring about the fifth dimensional experience of reality that you're all headed for and you're all destined to experience. So also remember that you're not the ones who have to make it all happen. You're the ones there to have the experience of it happening. You're already perfect. You're already source energy beings. You have nothing to prove. And you're on this ride to have the experience of it. So do your best to enjoy it as well. Have all humans incarnated on other planets before coming to Earth? Absolutely. There is no bullet train from source to Earth. You have to move through the dimensions of this universe to get to the Earth experience. And to put it another way, it's all happening right now anyway. So your soul is not just incarnating on Earth in one body. Your soul is a multidimensional being who has multiple uh, humans that it's connected to on Earth right now and on other timelines and in other time frames, but certainly on other planets and other star systems and all throughout the galaxy and the universe, your soul is very curious, very adventurous, would never just choose to be on earth and not everywhere else. Linearly speaking, because there's always two ways of looking at everything, at least there's the simultaneous time, which is real, which is all happening right now. But there's also your experience of reality and your experience of reality is that there was a yesterday and there will be a tomorrow. And so there were past lives and you did experience them because you are that light that is shining through and illuminating all of these different bodies and having all of these different experiences. So you did go to other places before coming to earth because those places were available to you. And also because earth is 
a giant melting pot. It's a hodgepodge of different beings from all across the galaxy and the universe, and you're there to unite all of it. You're there to unite all the consciousness from all the other star systems that is represented there on Earth. And so you wanted to have a taste of what Andromeda, Orion, Antares, Arcturus, Cassiopeia, Lyra, all the different star systems, you wanted to have a taste of what they were like in their pure form before you came to Earth and blended them all together like you do spices and vegetables and things that you're using to create a dish there on Earth that you're going to eat. You are creator beings and you are meant to take what already exists and put it together in a new and more interesting way. And that's what you're doing with the energies from all the other star systems there on Earth because they're all represented in various ways in all of the plants and animals and people there on Earth that you have today. You're a very diverse world and it's because of your travels through the other star systems that you are so diverse there. Do ETs come to most of us in our dreams? You go when you are asleep outside of your body. You have an astral projection OBE experience when you are asleep. You're never wasting time as a soul. So a soul is not going to say, well, I guess I'm just clocking out for the next eight hours. And it comes to that experience down there on Earth. So what happens is your soul removes consciousness from your body. Your body has its own consciousness. Your cells have their own consciousness. Your organs have their own consciousness. So, so of course, your body's still alive and breathing and your heart's beating and it's doing all the metabolizing and all the things that your body does, moving oxygen around and so on. But your soul is having another experience with that you that you are floating around in the astral plane, going to different dimensions. Sometimes you'll stay on the earth plane and you'll check out what's going on over here and over there and you'll do some healing and you'll do some grid work and that sort of thing. But a lot of times you're also off in space, so to speak, or you're in a higher dimensional plane and you're visiting with us. You're visiting with this council, the Arcturian council or Palladian council or your galactic team or your guides or all of these different beings. And some of you are capable of taking those experiences and translating them into something that your mind can understand. So you'll wake up and you'll think, well, I had a dream. And in the dream, I was visited by all these aliens and I was having these great conversations with these ET beings. And that's your best interpretation of what happened. What really happened was you went to us or you went to some other ET or ET group to share about your experience, to learn, to offer suggestions as to how we can help those sorts of things are going on while you're sleeping. And it's not just a dream. Nothing is just a dream. Is there a connection between Bigfoot and ETs? Those beings are ETs. That's why you can't 
capture one and study the Bigfoot is because it's a higher consciousness being that is capable of moving in and out through portals and wants to explore the nature that you have there is very interested likes coming to your planet as a sort of vacation like you might go to a forest to have a hike and that's why that's where they tend to be spotted is because those are the places that are most interesting to them to visit does humanity have a secret space program some humans are going to space they don't need to ask for permission you're seeing that now with billionaires who build their own rocket ships and are going to space. So on a different scale, that is also happening. Yes, there are human beings who have that level of technology and that much wealth to be able to go to other parts of space and other planets and have more technology than you are having access to when you walk into a store that sells electronics. So yes, that is absolutely happening do ets come from source like humans do nothing exists outside of source everything is source playing a game with itself the game is experience that's the name of the game source just wants to have different experiences that's why there's difference that's why we're not all the same because source wants to have as many different experiences of itself as source can, but nothing can exist without sight of source. Source created everything and source used itself to create everything. So everything is source. It's made up of source existing inside of source. And at the end of the day, we all are one being that we call source or God or all that is or prime creator or whatever we're calling the oneness, the whole, the one being that we truly are, all having different experiences from different angles, different perspectives. So we have a different perspective than you have based on where we are, what we've lived, what we've observed. And that gives source exactly what source is after, which is knowing of the self, self-realization, that's why when you seek to do that on that human level, when you seek to know yourself, to have self-realization, you feel so good. You align in that moment. You're aligning with the purpose of all of creation, all of existence. So yes, of course, ETs must also exist within source. If we're having a bad day, what is the best way to raise our vibration? It's different for everyone in some senses. In some ways, it's similar for everyone. In other words, for you, going out dancing might not seem like a very fun thing to do to raise your vibration. For someone else, they know that's the thing that's going to break them out of the funk that they're in, but they may not think of that idea when they're down in the dumps. So what you need to do is you need to have reminders. This is going to raise. So when you're feeling pretty good or at least neutral, make a list. Remember, when you take the dog out for a walk, you feel better. When you engage in some conscious breathing exercises, you feel better. When you take a bath, you feel better. When you 
sing or dance, you feel better. When you call up that friend of yours, you feel better. When you watch a funny video or a video of kittens playing, you feel better. So have a list of all the things that you may not think of when you're in that lower consciousness of having a bad day, but have the list somewhere that's easily accessible to you so you know that I can break myself out of this funk if I just take a shower or something easy to do like that. If I just go and meditate, I know I'll feel better after I meditate. But you have to remind yourself that these things are available to you because when you're vibrating lower, your brain is also changing the station. It's the dial has moved now and what you're more likely to attract to you in terms of thoughts and ideas reflect that lower vibration to you. That's why it's so easy for a person to go on a downward spiral and stay on that downward spiral. And when someone's feeling pretty good, everything seems to be going their way and everything seems to be a synchronicity and a serendipitous event. And so you've got to understand that those reminders are key for you of snapping you out of that bad feeling day that there's always something you can do. There's, it's as simple sometimes as closing your eyes, taking a deep breath, going outside and walking barefoot on the grass and touching a tree or sitting under a tree. It's much easier to snap out of these things than people realize. That's why it's good to have that reminder list around. Thank you. I don't have any more questions. Well, you did a beautiful job of asking those, Jeff. We really appreciate you. Thank you. I appreciate you being with us. Yes, we are the Arcturian Council, and we have enjoyed connecting with you. Hello, sir. Welcome back. <laughs> my my daughter got in on this uh, interview mm -hmm. a little bit, huh? Yeah, I can hear her. <laughs> Yeah, I'm, I'm what's called a conscious channel. I, I'm aware of what's going on um, while I'm doing it, even though I look very much uh, zoned out and tranced out. Um, I've, I know that the, the, it's a spectrum, I think, of, of how conscious we are while we're channeling. And some people are completely out of it, completely unaware of uh, what even what they're saying. So um, I think it's good for me to be conscious, though, because then I benefit from everything, too, that's coming through me. I wouldn't have to go back and listen to every session that I'm channeling with another person to get all that good, juicy stuff. <laughs> I didn't mention it earlier, but you're also an author. What's mm -hmm. the title of your book, and where can people learn more about it? Over my shoulder, you can see part of... Uh, volume two of a series. It's a series of channeled messages from the Arcturians that I have a, a, a beautiful person who helps me to compile all of them and put them in so they make sense in various chapters. It's called Ascension, the Shift to the Fifth Dimension. There's four volumes of it on Amazon right now, and there's going to be a fifth volume coming out soon. I, my first two books which are way less popular, which um, it has to do with titles, I think. I think titles have a lot to do with what grabs people's attention, as you, I'm sure, know. Um, so they were called Channeled Beings, 
no channeled wisdom from higher dimensional beings. And those ones include messages from the Pleiadians, from Kuan Yin, from the Hathors, from the creators, from all the other beings I've channeled as well. And those are also on Amazon. So yeah, I've, I've self-published six books and um, I really am a, a big believer in self-publishing. I, I like having that creative control and, uh, you know, being able to just put out there whatever I want to. <laughs> That's great. After watching yeah. this podcast, people may want to reach out to you and ask you questions. Are you up for that? And if so, should they do that through your YouTube channel or your website? I don't read all the comments. I make so many videos. I, I eventually, I do see some comments on the YouTube videos, but um, there's a contact um, thingy tab on my website, danielscranton.com. Um, you know, and the, and I'm on Facebook under Daniel Scranton and, and Instagram, Daniel Scranton channels on Instagram. Um, there's a lot of imposters on Instagram though. So it's, it's kind of like my, my Instagram has like almost 3000 posts. So if you see any Instagram of me with less than 3000 posts, it's not me. Um, so yeah, there's, there, there's also a way to ask questions of the beings that I channel. I do a Thursday night event. It's only $24 to attend and they're usually three hours long and everybody who signs up gets to ask a question. That's called my group live Q and A. And you can find, people can find that on my website too. But if you ask me a question, if I get bombarded with questions after this interview, I might not be able to answer all of them because I already get so many questions via email and um, I I just can't, I just don't have time. I'm sort of a one man operation and, and working already over 50 hours a week at this. <laughs> Is there anything else that you're doing that you want us to know about? Um, well, that depends on when this video is going to come out because <laughs> I'm well, always doing things. Oh, well, probably within a week or less. <laughs> okay. Um, I do have on the solstice, I'm doing a group healing event where I do that toning and light language and Reiki healing to everybody in attendance on. So if you, if they make it in time to the June or solstice event, that's also on the, it's on danielscranton.com slash group healing. They want to sign up for that. All right, Daniel, before we finish up, can you leave us with one last positive message? Um, there's a whole world inside of each of us, a whole universe inside of each of us. It's a beautiful place to visit. It's a beautiful place to live. There's a lot outside of us as well. There's a lot um, of beauty within this world. As I sit in my office, I look out these giant windows and I see trees and birds and I love nature. I think that people connecting with nature, connecting with themselves, going within, that's where all the good stuff really is. And, and there's plenty of other good things out there to enjoy as well. But I think we're, we have these missions and we get caught up sometimes in what's our mission, what's our purpose. But I think we're also supposed to be enjoying this life and that there's always a way that, that we can find, there's always something out there for everyone that we can enjoy. And as we put our attention on that, we'll get more of what we can enjoy. And I think um, that's proven itself to be true for me in my life. So I know it can be true for everyone else as well. Daniel, thank you for that message. And thank you for being my guest. Thank you, Jeff. It's been great.
Thanks for watching the Jeff Mara podcast. I really appreciate you. Another way to show support is through YouTube memberships. And if you do, there are loyalty badges and other perks depending on your level of membership. All you need to do is click the join button underneath the video to find out more. Thank you for your support.